get out of clay, he can do that too. But the point of the temptation, right? The point of this temptation is that he is telling Jesus to satisfy his own needs over the will of his father. The first temptation was not just simply to incite him to make bread or to prove to himself that he was really the son of God. Now, really, what did he say? If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Well, we know that Jesus has just left a a spiritual high. Where was it? In the river. Jordan, and when he came out of the water, what did his father who art in heaven say? You are my son in whom I am well pleased. Does Jesus know that he's the son of God? Yes, because his father just told him that 40 days ago. He knows he's the son of God. So he don't have to do that to prove that he's the son of God. It was an attempt for him to use a miracle to act alone without his father's will, it was to tempt him to use his sonship in such a way that was inconsistent with the mission that he had come to accomplish. God has given him a mission to come and establish the kingdom. And one of the means he uses to establish that kingdom is dying to himself. And turning those stones into bread and feeding his own flesh, and he is flesh, to feed his own flesh with that bread is not a denial of itself. You see how that works? So uh, the devil was trying to do what he could to get Jesus to act in a way that was inconsistent with his mission, that was inconsistent with his father's will. So he answered and said to him, Man shall not live, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So the devil tempts him, and what does Jesus reply? It is written. The scriptures. What does Jesus do? The devil says, turn these stones into bread. Jesus said, no, because it is written, it is not by this bread, by bread that I find life, it's through my Father's word, his promise that I find life. It is written, man does not live by bread alone. So Israel's hunger has been intended to show them that hearing and obeying the word of God is more important than life. In the same way, Jesus learned obedience through suffering as a son in God's house. It was more necessary than bread. His obedience was more necessary than food. And it's the same for you and I. And so he answered, it is written. So the devil tries to get him to question what God says. And how does Jesus reply? It is written. No, God says that man does not live by bread alone, but every word proceeds out of the mouth of God. So if you can turn to Deuteronomy 8.3, we'll see the, the scriptural reference that Jesus is using. He humbled you and he led you uh, be hungry and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor your fathers did not know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. God has sent the children of Israel into the wilderness to be tested whether they would trust God or not, and what were they constantly complaining about? 
Moses, we hungry. Moses, we thirsty. Moses, we tired. Moses, we hot. And instead of trusting in God and his promises, they look to themselves and their circumstances. And you and I do the same thing. We focus on our circumstances, we focus on ourselves, and we forget that we are children of his promise. See how that works? All right. So, our Lord expresses his strong faith and his confidence in his Father. Though in the wilderness and destitute of supplies, he overcame this temptation from Satan. Again, I was talking earlier about him not eating for 40 days, right? I, could, I don't go eight hours fasting. As a matter of fact, usually when I get a big meal down in about 20 minutes, I'm back in there finding some ice cream, right? And if I'm trying to diet and not eat ice cream, I always find the ice cream bowl because that's what I want, not what I need, but what I want. And in the same way, the devil is going to do whatever he can to provide you the outlets you need to avoid God's truth and God's promises and God's assurance. He's going to do whatever he can to keep you away from God's word. All right? So, now we go to the temple top. All right? <clears throat> let, me, let me get this one more quote for you here. I, I really enjoy it. It said, Israel demanded bread, but they died in the wilderness. Jesus denied himself bread and retained his righteousness and lived in faithful submission to God. They got bread in the wilderness, and they died. Jesus rejected the need for the bread and, and lived. All right, so now to the temple top. The devil took him to the holy city. He had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, if, there's that conditioning, and if you really are the son of God, throw yourself down, because watch what he does now. Watch this. The devil's real good. For it is written... He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot on a stone. All right? So watch what the devil does. Okay, you want to play it is written, the it is written game? All right, I'll give you some scriptures. The Bible promises you, Jesus, in the Psalms, that because you are his child, because you dwell in the shelter of the Most High, the shadow of the Almighty, that he will feather you, cover you in his wings. And in his shelter, you will find safety and comfort and hope. And so if you're trusting in God, God has promises that he will protect you. And the psalm says that even if you were to fall off of a mountainside, that the angels would come and catch you. Not only they, that God's safety and God's protection would keep you from bumping your foot on a stone. So if you really are the son of God, the Bible says that he's got your back. So show me. Jump off of this temple and let me see the angels catch you. You see what he's doing? The devil is taking the very words of God and using them to try to convince the word of God that he's wrong. And remember this, guys, ladies, gentlemen. The devil knows the Bible better than any of us in this room. And he believes it more than we do. He knows that his time is coming. He knows that there's coming a day when he's going to be cast into an eternal lake of fire. He knows that. He, he knows it. There's no doubt. And he knows all of the word, and he will use it, and he will twist it, and he will add to it, and he will omit from it to get you who thinks that you're being pious to walk down an unpious road 
Well, let me prove that to you. Let's look at that Psalms 91 passage. Psalms 91, and we're going to look at uh, verses 12, 11, 12, and 13, I believe it is. Psalm 91 says this. Y'all, most of y'all should be familiar with this psalmist, but he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty, right? It's one of the most famous psalms in the scriptures. But look what it says in verses 11, 12, and 13. Now, again, this psalm is talking about how God protects those who put their trust in him. And look what it says. For he will guard his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you in their hands so that you do not strike your foot against a stone. See, the promise is if you put your trust in God, that God will command his angels to take care of you and keep you from striking your foot against a stone. So the devil is trying to use that promise, that true promise of God, to tempt Jesus into testing whether or not he really is God's kid. But what the devil does is he omits something. Because look at verse 13. You, with that foot, will tread upon the lion and the cobra and the young lion and the serpent, and you will trample them under your feet. The devil left that out, didn't he? You know why? Because the devil is like a roaring lion roaming around seeking who he can devour. And the devil is the serpent who Jesus promised Eve one day was going to get its head crushed by her seed. And Jesus is the very one that's going to crush his head. So what is the devil doing? He's making this promise, but he leaves out the other part of the promise which said those feet that you're talking about are going to actually crush you. Now, it is important to see that Jesus does not get into a theological debate with the devil and remind him that. What the, watch what Jesus does in that next verse. Satan quoted Psalm 91, 11, and 12. Satan's deceit lays in misapplying his quotation into a temptation that will easily trap the devout mind by apparently warranting what might otherwise be thought to be sinful. So in that omission, Jesus says to him, but it is also written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So watch what Jesus is going to do. Jesus knows that his Father's word is complete and it never contradicts itself. So the devil's saying, jump, and the angels will catch you. But Jesus brings up the verse that says, don't test God. Don't prove him. He's not a God to be tested or proved. You see? Jesus said to him, you shall not put the Lord God to death. So Jesus said to him, it is written again, Christ takes no notice of the false and wrong citation of Scripture by the devil nor of any misapplication, but mildly replies by opposing another passage of Scripture to him. For both Israel and Jesus, demanding miraculous protection of proof of God's care was wrong. It's wrong for me to demand God to take care of me. The appropriate attitude is trust and obedience. The proper attitude is not to put God to the test with his promises, but to simply trust his promises and be obedient to them. Testing God's promises is not obedience. So God tests us, but we are commanded not to test him. And remember, the children of Israel did that. 
They were in the wilderness because God had sent them out there for what? Testing. And instead of God testing them, they tried to turn it on his hand and test God. And we do the same thing. My grandmother had a very famous saying when I was a kid. Boy, you tested me. And I knew exactly what that meant. You do too, don't you? We don't test grandma, but we don't test God. We don't test the authority. And you knew what that meant when you were a kid. You were, you were bouncing around and doing something you weren't supposed to do, and you was fixing to get paddled. You was fixing to get judgment. You were fixing to get punished for what you were doing. We don't test God. So what Jesus is doing by saying it is also written is saying, no, no, no. He's not arguing with the devil about the theology. He's just simply saying, God says don't put him to the test. And you're trying to use that verse over here to say that God's saying testing. And you're using it wrong. He just simply so. Jesus said, it is written. The devil says, oh, okay, you want to play the it is written game? Here, it is written. And then what did Jesus say? It is also written. Don't put God to the test. All right, and then for the final testing, we'll see the mountaintop. Now, as we read this mountaintop temptation, I want you to remember that in the garden, God cursed the serpent and said, from now on you will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Satan, Lucifer, the son of the morning, was the highest creature in all of creation. He was the archangel. That means the highest angel in all of heaven. And what did that curse do? It brought him down to the lowest creature. He would eat dust for eternity. So now we have this serpent, this creature that's a dust-eating, crafty weasel, if you will, taking the king of kings and lord of lords to a mountaintop. When Jesus knows what it's like to sit on the throne in heaven, takes him to a mountaintop and promises him all of the cursed world. So the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you will simply fall down and worship me. And that's the goal. Satan wants to be God. And he wants your worship. But he could pass on having your worship himself as long as you're not worshiping God. You can worship yourself. You can worship your habits, your hobbies, your careers. You can worship your kids. You can worship your family. You work at your house, your home, your car, whatever it may be. What is it called when we worship something that's not God? It's called idolatry. It's an idol. It's something in your life that is created and not the creator. And Satan's main goal is to turn your eyes from the creator and get them fixed on the creation because the creation is passing away before our very eyes. It's like smoke in the wind. And so the devil gets him on top of this mountain and says, I'll give you all of this if you will simply bow down and worship me. Satan offers the kingdoms of the world and their splendor without showing their sin. Satan was offering an interpretation of God's ideal that sidestepped the cross and introduced idolatry. What did Jesus come to do? 
to die to the world. He had come to die. And Satan's saying, boy, you can really live it up. You can have this whole kingdom as all yours. I'll give you all the life that's in it. Neither God's son, Israel, nor God's son, Jesus, can swerve from allegiance to God himself. His children are commanded to worship him and worship him only. And it's been said that the human heart is an idol factory. You, were, you and I, you and I, were created to worship God. That's what we were created to do. Enjoy God and glorify him forever. To worship God, that's what you're created to do. And because you were created to worship God, you are going to worship something. Fish were created to swim. And you put them in water, and what do fish do? They swim. Why? Because that's what they were created to do. If you take a fish out of water and lay him on the bank, what does he do? He flops around. You know why he's flopping around? Because all he knows how to do is swim, and air don't support him. He's doing what he was created to do, but he's out of his element. And so what does he do? He shrivels up and dies. You were created to worship God. And if you turn away from the creator and turn to anything in the creation, then you're going to be just like that fish. You're going to flop around and die. You're going to worship, but it's going to kill you. Because God is the only source of life. So, Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God only, and only him shall you serve. And when he said that, the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and began to minister him. He left him, and the angels came, and they came to minister him. I want to finish up with one more verse of Scripture, and then I'll give you a couple little conclusions and applications. Turn with me to Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6, and look at verses 4 through 19. Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 19. Now remember, this is for the children of Israel who have just come out of testing and are going into the promised land. Jesus has just come out of testing, and now he is fixing to go into the promised land. And you and I are all in the wilderness, and we're living through testing every day. So what we should be able to do is take these verses in Deuteronomy 6 and not only see how they apply to Israel, and not only see how they apply to Jesus, but to see how they apply to our lives. God's word, the book of Deuteronomy, even though it's the Old Testament, is just as applicable to me and you today. Okay, look what it says. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You will teach them diligently to your sons and talk of them when you sit in your houses and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You will bind them as signs on your hands and you will, they will be as frontlets on your forehead. You will write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Then it will come about when the Lord God brings you into the land which he swore to your father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build and houses full of good things which you did not fill and whose sisters which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant and you eat and are satisfied. Then watch yourselves 
that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. You shall fear only the Lord God and you will worship him and swear by his name. You will not follow other gods, any gods of the peoples who surround you. For the Lord your God is in the midst of you and he is a jealous God. Otherwise, the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled against you and he will wipe you off the face of the earth. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test as you tested him at Massa. You should diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded you. You will do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord that it may be well with you and that you may go in and possess the good land which the Lord swore to give your fathers by driving out all of your enemies before you as the Lord has spoken. So think about that in the life of Jesus. What did he just do? Get from me, Satan. And what did Satan do? He drove him out. He's getting ready to go into the promised land and take the promised land. What did he warn the children of Israel and what does he warn me and you? No other gods. Do not be an idolater. And the reality is, is when you get into the history of Israel and you see the Assyrian captivity and the Babylonian captivity, you're going to realize that you read the book of Judges and you read all of this, what you'll find out is the children of Israel were constantly falling into idolatry and constantly being judged by God. And I got news for you. Raise your hand because it's us too. He commands us to worship him and worship him alone. And when we turn away from him and worship the creation instead of the creator, it brings suffering, it brings condemnation, it brings all kind of chaos into our lives. And so we'll end with that. Here's some application for you. The pattern of obedience and trust has been established. We have to learn to resist the devil. In the book of James, it tells us that if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. And the way that you resist him is not like all of our holy roller friends think by running around and rebuking him, right? You don't run around and rebuke the devil. He's not listening to you. When the archangel, Mike Angel, was wrestling with the devil over Moses' body, he said, the Lord rebuke you. The devil is a very powerful being. We don't run around rebuking him. We resist him. And the way that we resist him is by standing in God's truth, by proclaiming God's truth, by receiving God's truth, and by believing God's truth and walking in that truth. That is the way that we resist the devil. Jesus has already shown us how to do that. Jesus refused to relieve his hunger by miraculous turning of stones into bread, and now the angels come and feed him supernaturally. He refused to throw him off of the temple, and now these same angels that he was told would catch him are now ministering to him. He refused to take a shortcut cut to inherit the kingdom of God, and now he is starting to fulfill the scriptures by doing just that. We die to self, we live for God. We resist the devil and we walk in God's truth. And it's commanded of each and every one of us here this morning. And it's not easy. And it's not popular. And it's hard. There's a reason why he calls us disciples. A disciple is someone who is under the discipline of a master. So if you're here today and you have never trusted him 
If you're here today and you know that you've been living in the world and you know that you've been serving the idols of this world, your own heart, you've been serving uh, the world around you, your flesh, the devil, you know this. Turn him. Turn away from sin and self and simply trust him. He has never said no to anyone who will come to him and feed on the bread of life. Never has he said no. Today is the day. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts anymore. Come to him and know him. Receive him and believe him. For those of you who are here and have trusted him, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Amen? Let's close with one song.